What's going on, everyone? And welcome back to episode 74 of the Lumbar Trucking Show. Uh, almost lost myself there. Thank you once again for coming back uh, and listening. Uh, got a really awesome guest uh, with us today. This is somebody, this is a, a relationship that formed because of this show. Because as I was early on in my ventures uh, as an owner operator, when I got my own truck, I was finding success from the really great usability of this app. Uh, which is the Truck Smarter Load Board app. You've probably heard me talking about them for over a year now. They're great people. And this is a conversation that's been a long time in the, uh, in the making. And uh, I, it's, it seems like it's a little one-sided because I know this person bought me pizza and beer. And that's why you know, <laughs> pe people might think that I got him on the show for this reason, that I can be bought. But that is not why. But uh, all in all, this is just an amazing human being, somebody who's uh, he's a, a trailblazer in the logistics industry, who's doing great work. So without any further delay, Mr. Daniel Cow, okay, right? Did I pronounce that right? Cow, yeah. Daniel Cow, the CEO of Truck Smarter, man. Welcome to the show. What's going on, man? I appreciate you taking the time to chat. I mean, I know you've been a fan of us for a, a, almost a year. We've been a big fan of you and what you've been doing. So excited to be on the show. Yeah, man. You and you guys have it, what's crazy it, when I look at both of our stories, I kind of lined up parallel like Truck Smarter in, in the year that I discovered you has changed and grown and blown up and expanded in so many ways. And this and the same things happened on my, on my side of the fence. I learned yeah. I learned so much about this industry. You know, I was so hard headed at first with dealing with brokers and realizing that it, it takes time and relationship building and a lot of phone calls and negotiations. And then I've, you know, and then this show has expanded to who I've talked to and who I've met my, my entire network. And then I've gotten myself into, into different types of freight. I've negotiated, you know, contracts with direct shippers and done so much like where I am a, a year ago. It feels like in the last year, almost five years of experience can be jammed into it. And a lot's happened with you guys on the on the yep. same side, you went from just becoming just this load board and now you're doing so much else. But bef before we get into all that, yeah. you know, what's what's your story, man? Where are you from? How did we get here? So I grew up in a, a small suburb in New Jersey, Piscataway. Uh, not sure if anybody's heard of the place, but it's an awesome place to grow up. And I, I think for me, the what, growing up in, in, in Jersey and kind of like, growing up in a small town and I, I think for me one of the most important things that i've always kind of cared about the most has been how do we use technology to empower the everyday entrepreneur right the the people that are keeping the country moving the the, the true heartbeat uh of uh, of the country and i think for me it was you know i kind of saw it in a personal lens uh, in the sense you know my parents my dad wanted to to start businesses uh but just couldn't figure it out how and I, I kind of saw that kind of that excitement to pursue his own American dream kind of get stopped in the tracks because there was just a lot less access to so many of those uh, tools that we have now to kind of make it extraordinarily easy to go. And you still got you guys, you still got to put in the grit, you still got to put in the hard work, uh, but to, to, to just really lower that barrier to access to do those things. And I think for me, that's what kind of set me on my entrepreneurial journey of wanting to build in, in tech, but also leveraging tech to really empower uh, the everyday entrepreneur. So I think for me, when, you know, I, I, I when I was thinking through, okay, like when I went, when, the, when I first, when I went to, to school, it was, okay, well, let's just study finance because this is, this is where you can make a ton of money uh, and you can start investing and, and helping, you know, give uh, op, you know, and start to like give back to the community and also like invest to grow more, uh, grow more businesses and whatnot. 
But I think what really got me excited was just, you know, especially as we start to uh, get deeper into technology, how those op- how, how that type of uh, technology could really make it super easy for anybody to just get started, right? So I, I think when I when I, I when I originally uh, decided on which op- which companies to start look at, that's what got me really excited about Square, right? Back in the day, it was just this like white credit card reader where you can accept any payment any any payment elsewhere, but but, but, but before Square kind of got into the space, it took months for anybody to who wanted to open a small business to just accept payments, which is crazy, right? And it, you know, you're you're an entrepreneur. You're you've kind of been in the space too. It's like you don't get into the business of start. You don't you don't start something because you want you want to like figure out all the minutia and all the admin of getting it started. You're you're just passionate about that thing that you want to start. And I, I think all that admin has historically been a blocker for so many people to get started. And I, and, and I think that's what got me super excited about this opportunity at Square and, uh, to, to kind of like use technology to just make it ridiculously easy uh, for anybody to get, to get going. And that's, that's kind of what really start, set off my career into this space and just continue to find more opportunities. That's what led me to DoorDash, which is effectively like, how can we just help grow and market more of these local businesses now to anybody out there and I joined super early on and kind of helped launch a number of those companies, a number of those markets uh, uh, for them. And so you, worked ultimately, at, you worked at Square? I worked at Square, yeah, for, oh, okay. for, for I, about a year. Yeah, you, I, you didn't, uh, sorry to cut you off there, but it's a, you brought up, you had brought up Square as though it was like something as you were like giving them a shout out, but then it sounded like you, so you started working there. So where'd you go? So where'd you go to school by any chance? Yeah, so I went to school uh, at NYU. Oh, oh. <clears throat> Okay. Well, this is, I think this is, of all the guests, top-notch school, man. Don't, you know, you should be, that, that's a brag right there. I love that. So NYU. No, it's funny then, because my, the joke is always my parents, they, uh, when they got the acceptance letter, they thought they, they were convinced it was sent to the wrong Daniel Cow. They were like, no, 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 no. There, 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 there's no way. Uh, like our kid got into the school and, uh, but yeah, no. So I went to, went to the business school there, the undergrad business school there. And, uh, and I think that's what got me super into like, oh, like, you know, every, everybody there was like, oh, we're doing finance, right? We're like, no, this is, this is the path. This is the way. And to me, I was, I was, I, you know, I kind of got caught into it. And then at a certain point, I was like, look, like what I'm pretty excited about is less so the, you know, and there's a lot of, a lot of good things to say about that profession, but it's like, you know, wasn't the best fit for me and wanted to use all, all the latest stuff to really, you know, pursue what I cared about, which was, uh, you know, in the tech world. So. That, that's when I then went to look at. That's when I went to the Bay Area to work at Square. Awesome. So, so okay. So you went to NYU, went to Square, and then from Square, where where you were, you mentioned DoorDash, and so you were at DoorDash like on the ground floor. When I joined DoorDash, we were less than fifty people uh, at the company, and it was pretty. It was pretty funny because back in the day, it was uh, it was. I mean, it was what it was, right? It was a food delivery company, or it was a, logist, a, a logistics company, but they were doing food deliveries, and you know, I was telling, I was telling my folks like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to leave square, which yeah, at the time was like a very promising company, still is an extraordinarily promising company. And I'm going to work at this company that delivers pizza. Right. And, and they're all a little bit confused. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, but, but I think what got me excited was kind of like that core mission of, you know, similar to, to square. It was how do you help use technology to make it super easy for small, medium-sized business owners to just focus on what they're passionate about. And to me, you know, the company started to get big at that time. And, you know, I wanted to, just, I, I just wanted to build, I wanted to be, I, I kind of wanted to go on my own entrepreneurial journey. 
And DoorDash was a good representation of that. And it was less than 50 people. You know, we were still working out of uh, the founder CEO's original house with three bedrooms uh, in, in California. We were, and we were kind of, so it, it kind of had that like very early stage life. And to me, what was super exciting was the role, which was effectively when I joined, we were maybe in three or so uh, large cities at the time. The role was go launch 20 next year. And what I would do is I went to tech, you know, in one of those spots that I went to is I went to Houston. I went to Houston for six months during the summer. And the job was go launch, go launch DoorDash. And it was, you gotta, you gotta, I was posting on Craigslist, meeting dashers in the Starbucks, handing them red bags, getting kicked out of Starbucks. I was going door to door to all the restaurants saying like, Hey, do you want to deliver food uh, through this company that you've never heard of? And they're all just like, absolutely not. Like food delivery is just for pizza and Chinese food. Yeah. And, it, we, and we had to convince them like, no, no, no. Like, trust me, there's something here. I, we promise you it's going to be, it's going to be better. And then also then figure out all the marketing for, uh, uh, for consumers, right. To, to get excited about this new service. And I think for me, that role was the most exciting piece, right. Because it was basically build, build this business many, many times across the country with in the, in, in a very finite period of time, right. So you're kind of just forcing yourself uh, to be an entrepreneur constantly, constantly, constantly. And I think that's what got me super excited to, to, you know, go, go work at DoorDash as well and spend quite a bit of time there. No, that's awesome, man. I, I will say, n- number one, I do have a hundred percent Dasher rating right now, yeah. as well as five stars. <laughs> I'm doing phenomenal out there. Uh, I've been, I've been tipped on almost everything. I, I think DoorDash is, uh, re- is really good, man. The, I, I don't know a lot about their early upcomings and I think it's really it, like, I've never really done any research in it because I didn't know which came from DoorDash came before Uber Eats, right? I'm, I'm, no, so it and it was kind of funny because I was uh, I, I was there when Uber Eats launched. So basically, what happened is Uber was testing out uh, Eats product, but it was kind of like batch group delivery. You kind of scheduled it for lunch, uh, and, and they had, they had a driver that would just basically send out one dish to all the people that ordered it. So it, it was never it was never like restaurants post. It, it was kind of always something else. Uh, but they were going to launch. Uh, Uber Eats at one point, we knew, and we knew they were going to do it. So I, after Houston, I went to go launch Canada uh, for DoorDash. So I ended up living in Toronto for about three or four months, and it was during that time that Uber Eats just like did their global launch of Uber Eats in Toronto, and we had a budget of maybe like ten thousand dollars a week to go like you know market and do all these things. Uber Eats came out of nowhere with millions of dollars, just unlimited money. To, to, to market and to, to grow this business. And then I had to keep telling the, the team and uh, at DoorDash, like, guys, like, <laughs> we're getting wiped here. Uh, but but I was, I was like, we were effectively the, the, the David versus the Goliath in Toronto. And it, it was a pretty fun part of my career there at DoorDash, too, because just to, like, figure out how to best to really beat this Goliath. Well, I love it. I mean, uh, personally, and from my, my own friend's experience, a lot of people think that DoorDash has become superior, especially in regards to fees and, and stuff like that and access to restaurants. It's crazy to think about a time that was really just so recent to, to the fact that you, have, you, had to, you had to go business to business and sell the idea of, hey, do you want access to more customers that don't need to come to yeah. your store? And like the, the fact that they at, at some, because now that's just crazy because all all any business thinks about now is how can I reach more customers? Like it, the connect, yeah, like, yeah. connect, like making connections with customers. How do I do it? Whether it's food or whether it's a newsletter or whether it's, you know, anything, whether it could be, it's just like, and now that's on everybody's mind. They'll use anything. They're developing. I mean, this is a, 
a large reason why the development of why so many people are so invested in AIs because they believe that this use of AI can bring in more customers, you know, in, uh, and because of, of how they can collect the data. And it's just crazy to think how in literally just a matter of about five years, like how five yeah. years ago, like that was a thing. How restaurants are like, oh, yeah, just Pete. It was it was it was just pizza and Chinese food. It and was it, it like. Yeah. To, to think about that, like I'm, it's, it, it, I almost think it. You almost think it's as old as the '90s. Like you almost think it's the yeah, '90s yeah, yeah. when you think about trying to convince it. But no, that that's fascinating. So you you do your time at DoorDash. Where where do you go from there? So I ended up I ended up staying in Canada. Live uh, oversaw the country for a, a little bit of time, and then just got the itch. I was just like, okay, company's starting to get big. Uh, the operations that were pretty steady, and we were kind of moving at a good clip. And, you know, to me, the, the direction was always building, right? Like, I want to build. That, that's that been the, the core, uh, you know, thread under underrunning my entire life and career. Uh, so then I just decided, so then started thinking about different opportunities uh, and then ended up moving back to, to the Bay Area uh, to, to start a company. And basically what we started was, a, it was a company called ShareSpace. And what we did was, uh, it was kind of like Airbnb, but for physical storage. So instead of going to like a public storage and extra space, any of these big, like, you know, storage giants, uh, you know, five miles out uh, from the city, go to your neighbor's empty garage, right? Mm. And, and basically pay, pay them to store your stuff. And this was kind of like at the, you know, at one of the biggest rises of car sharing, ride sharing, and all these different things. So people were buying less cars, especially in urban cities. But they had garages that had all this dead space and it was just sitting there, right? It's very hard to rezone these spaces. And we kind of thought of it as a way where it's like, hey, you know, both your neighbors can kind of like actually get to know each other. But then also like you can keep the money in the community, right? And you can actually store things at various, uh, at your various neighbors' homes. They can earn money. It's going to be lower cost because they're not running, a, you know, they're not running a massive business like a public storage. Um, so that's what we, we basically came to build that and spend about, Two or, two or so years doing that here you know ultimately didn't didn't get to like the venture scale that we were pretty excited to do so we went the aqua hire route uh and that's how i got involved and and that's how i got, got involved with the logistics space one of the companies that was pretty interested was uber freight we ultimately sold to a different company and my entire team went to that different company but just something about logistics something about moving things and keeping things moving got me super excited and that's how i ended up at uber freight and into this space Man, it's it, there's a guy who's doing exactly what you you just talked about. A gentleman, his his name's escaping me, but I know his business is called Truck Parking Club. Um, oh, he's, yeah, he's yeah he's recently been on some shows. He's taking that model of the Airbnb and taking it over to over into truck parking because a lot of the issues with truck parking and where there's money from the DOT that's going to trickle down to states. The issue is no, yep. is the zoning. Nobody wants these yep. you know nobody wants these idling trucks in their backyards and. It's, it, it, you know, and it's hard to zone for truck parking in these in these counties and stuff, especially in places like the Northeast. It's really difficult. So, you know, but when you take existing land ownership and you essentially, you know, bypass these zoning laws, exactly. similar to how Airbnb and Verbo is done. So that's awesome. And so you get to Uber Freight and what do you, yeah, what are you doing there? So when I was at Uber Freight, the, I oversaw the shipper platform, which effectively was a very easy way for small, medium sized shippers to tender freight. And to, to me, it was just, a, you know, like, you know, there's, a, as I'm sure everybody's aware of a lot of the issues uh, within trucking it's, and within logistics is that there's just a lot of different information. It's very hard to kind of keep all that information together. And at Uber Freight, we're basically building this product that 
uh, made it very easy for a shipper to just instantly get capacity without having to negotiate rates and to just, you know, find that capacity, right? And then we would go and match them with the driver. And I think for me, it was just a great way to just learn a lot about the industry, right? Because you're effectively, you know, overseeing the load, you're basically the carrier for the broker uh, or carrier for the shipper, and you're, you're managing that load. Uh, but that's ultimately how, you know, I that's how we started to get a lot of the insights to, to build Truck Smarter, because when I was at Uber Freight, what I just realized that a lot of the technology in this space has been about, okay, how can we help shippers? How can we help brokers? There wasn't just that many technology being built just for drivers, right? Drivers were, or, were always kind of like this afterthought of sort of like, okay, like, yes, they'll be able to download these things and access this information, but it was never the key priority. And, and to me, like, I, I think the drivers are the ones that run this economy or run, run this industry. And they're the, the to be, and, and to me and, and, and many others, it was, this this is the heartbeat of the industry that you gotta that you gotta really build for and you gotta win, and that's what's gonna give you the keys to unlock this industry. So I, I think that's kind of like one of the big insights that we had, and why we got super excited to build Truck Smarter. Man, that that's all. So it's crazy. So you robbed Uber Freight blind, is what you're saying. You're saying. <laughs> are they? Well, gonna, wait, yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. We we definitely ran a you know like in it's all public you know the unprofitable business right. So we were get we were we were paying a lot to cover these loads. So at least for some of those drivers that, uh, that were booking loads through Uber Freight, at least during that time, they were making a ton of money off of us. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And because I don't know, as far as right now, I'm not sure the future of, I'm not sure the future of Uber Freight. Um, as far as I, I'm not sure if I'm stepping on any toes or if I'm spreading fake news, but I mean, last night <laughs> I had heard they were, I mean, they were looking to sell um, that. I think that was the word on the street or, you know, the, Kind of going through the grapevine that Uber Freight was definitely looking to, you know, to to sell that off. I don't know. I don't know if you can tell that if you're sworn to secrecy or not. No, I mean definitely not sworn to secrecy. I I I would say it's like it's a tough business, right? Like especially like you know trucking itself is a tough gritty business. Uh, adding a digital layer is tough, right? Because you're hiring a ton of expensive engineers to to kind of pursue this vision. And it, and it takes a long time to amortize that cost, right? And I, and I think that's kind of what we're seeing where, where is in a bull market, you can kind of figure it out. There's a lot of money available. You can kind of, you can kind of convince investors to continue putting money to kind of pursue this vision. But in a, in a bear market, it's tough. And I think like you have a lot of uh, large brokers out there that have kind of seen this over the course of 40, 50 years, right? So they, they've kind of known how to like, Mash through the ebbs and flows. Large, you know, carriers and owner operators that have been in this space as well have kind of known how to like manage that that flow. But it, it, I think it's like if you're relying on money to, uh, or outside money to keep the business moving, it's very tough, right? And I think that's kind of like what we're seeing, which is like we're obviously deep in in a, in, in a recession, and now it's and, and, and now you kind of see like which businesses have really strong operating margins to kind of like stay afloat. Yeah, no, that's that's well said. So you, you had uh, one of the best things that you mentioned, which is something that, you know, me and, my, you know, my friends who joined me on episode 69, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Justin and Reed, what we're trying to do is bridge this gap of communication within the transportation industry. And one of the biggest things is and this is what caught my eye because, you know, my Reed had tweeted this read over at Lost Freight. He said mm -hmm. something once that said he goes, do, you know, do brokers brokers, do you consider carriers your customers and like it was a poll and a lot of a lot will say no and that that is genuinely you just said it without me bringing this up you you said that at uber freight like nobody was looking at 
the the independent owner operator or the carriers they weren't viewing carriers as customers almost as more of a commodity i guess would be the best way to sum it up you you know wanted to be the agent of change on that you think and then you're like wait we need something that treats the carrier as a customer yeah which i which i think which i you know and i've said this on past shows i think that's the winning recipe uh for success in anything transportation is that the respect for carriers you know as a customer as more than just a you know service uh needs to needs to go up so you decide to make trucks smarter and the first thing you do and your biggest slogan, and I'm sure this is, a, and this is a slogan that is going to continue to carry your success, is you made this load board free. Absolutely yeah. free, right? And, and, and I, I think going going to the Uber freight point, it's like they they had carrier teams, right? And they were super focused on carriers. The the, the always the interesting thing, and you kind of hear this not just at Uber freight, but just at many different brokerages, is that you'll you'll hear we're shipper first, but carrier centric. Right. And, and I think it, and I think, you know, when you think about that deeply, it's like, well, it's really tough to be both because if you're if you're if you're if you're helping the shipper, you know, you're as, as, as the middleman in this equation, the way you make money is effectively the spread. Right. And if you're if you're if you're overly indexing on one, you kind of hurt the other and vice versa. And I think that was always the, the, the friction that I kind of saw uh, like in this in the space was. We're over, you know, it's like we have carriers team, we have, we are, you know, carrier centric, but a lot of the products not entirely driven in the, like are not entirely driver first. Right. And, and I, I think that's kind of where we peeled off or where I peeled off and kind of thought they were like, let's actually just strip it all away and just put the driver at the center and just say, let's build products for the, for the driver. And so and that's kind of how we got about TruckSmart and, you know, what you were saying, which is. I, the, the, you know, when, when we were talking to drivers, when I was talking to driver, drivers on the job, a lot of it was like, well, how, like, why, you know, we, originally for us, it was like, why aren't you booking Uber Freight, right? Because we had loads, it, they were high paying, why, why aren't you booking Uber Freight? And then drivers would just tell us like, well, we got 15 different load boards to go through, right? We got the ones we pay for, we got, we got, the, we got the ones where it's the brokers putting loads in, and all that information is, is just everywhere. And it's taken us forever to go find those loads, take, you know, it'd take up to two hours to kind of find their next job. And that was the key insight for us, right? Which was the, the industry is only going to digitize more. There's only going to be more information. The problem is that information doesn't speak to each other, right? And you, as you continue to add more different nodes of information for a driver, it's, it just takes longer and longer and longer. And you, and you kind of like, it's hard to keep, keep track of things. And a lot of these apps, they have their own, you know, black holes where you kind of have to go through to kind of like find, find the raid and negotiate and do all these things. And, and that's what we wanted to build is just make it so radically transparent and so radically easy for you to just see the available freight out there not and, 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 and not add pricing levers for you to have to like act, just 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 see the jobs right that's how you're going to keep this that's how you're going to keep this industry moving just make it super easy for folks to see the jobs that are out there and get them going I, I tell you what, just from a, a user face standpoint, that is the most attractive thing I think about the app in general is the fact like how it is. So when you when you look at it, it's just like pick up this city, deliver this city, mileage radius type of freight, like how it is set up is so much less cumbersome than than the other load boards out there. And that that's and that it's it just breaks it. Yeah, because uh, like you said, even tr like trucker tools and I, and I don't mean to and I'm, I don't mean to down trucker mm -hmm. tools, but so much going on in trucker in trucker tools that it's just like where where do you start sometimes same thing with trucker yeah. path like i've been asked a million times oh do you use trucker path i'm like i use it for parking they're like well do you know about the load board and it's like well i don't need to look at another load uh, another yeah. load board like i need it for 
for different things. But um, so you so you start. So when did you officially start? What went into it? Who was your who was your kind of knights of the round table that joined you? How'd you how'd you get this all started? Yeah, we started April of 2021. And, and, and so, so just a little over two years ago. And, you know, I partnered with uh, somebody that was that was introduced as we were kind of thinking through this idea. Um, you know, my co-founder, Paula, who I think you've met in Iowa as well at Pizza and Beer. And he, he just had an incredible expertise on the technical side to kind of pipe all this information together, right? So he, he was an early engineer at Plaid. Plaid's the company where whenever you connect your bank account to Venmo or wherever it is, they're that connective tissue that helps connect those two dots, right? Before the banks were like, it's very hard for banks to kind of talk to all these different fintech companies that were trying to like, you know, make it, make it so it's easier for you to access your information. He was one of the first engineers that helped build that connectivity. And, and that's, and, and, and that's what, that's what we were like, that's what we need. That's it, it, that's the most perfect guy for the role, considering exactly. it's almost the same thing when it comes to how money moves throughout the freight industry. Yeah, you you, you basically struck gold with with him. Absolutely right, and and and, and he was super excited. He he actually comes from a, a, a logistics background as well with his parents, so he was super excited. We we got super excited. We got super into it, and I think to me that like when we kind of saw that core problem, just finding your next job, getting moving. That's the that's what we needed to help that or to, to help solve that right is to bring all this information together, um, and, and then and then of course you know as we continue to grow as we started to launch it as we started to like raise funding whatever it is then it was a lot of folks both from Plaid and both from Uber Freight right it's a lot of folks that we've talked with at Uber Freight that are just like that felt the same exact friction that I was just talking about right where it's just like it just doesn't feel right we got like the, the, the people that we need to win are the drivers. And so we had a lot of folks that were pretty excited about that. And we just started rounding them together and started charging forward with the mission. Nice. And so you, you guys team up. So it started with two and you, and now did, did you do it similar to the DoorDash way? Were you working out of the apartment? You know, how was it? <laughs> yeah. Where'd you, yeah. Where did this, where did every, where did everything really start to kindle up? Yeah, it was pretty fun. Uh, we started, in San Francisco in the middle of COVID before the vaccines came out and which meant that all of office real estate was super cheap. Uh, so we got, we got a wicked deal uh, at a spot uh, in the heart of downtown, which, you know, obviously there, there's, there's, com- you know, commotion there. Uh, but we were, but we, we just said, no, we got to build this. We got to be all in person uh, and, and we got to just go, 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 go get after it. And, so that's what. So that's kind of where we started. Which I think, like in that time, was probably the 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 home, right? Because everybody's working at home. We were we were in the middle of downtown SF, in the middle of the in, like in the middle of the pandemic, grinding it through in this uh, basically in this small apartment. Um, so that that's kind of how we started. And then slowly over time, I think for us, it's like because we kind of knew a lot of folks, both at Plaid, both at uh, Uber Freight. The team just started to grow, and 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 we started to see a lot of traction, right? I think I think the key thing for us was does this core idea, this core, like the initial idea of the load board make sense? And clearly it just, it, a lot of folks just got super excited by it, both by it being free, but then also be, by just bringing all that information together to make it easy for folks to kind of do what they're already doing. Um, and, and I think that's, as that grew, you know, the team grew and the company grew as well. No, that's, I, I love how you trailblazed into getting that commercial risk. I remember when COVID first hit, one of the first things I said to my friends was, 
you know, this could be, you know, this could be huge for like millennial business owners to come back into these urban uh, city centers like New York, like San Francisco, because the, you know, with all the big guys going to work from home, this, this will yep. lower the price of this real estate for maybe other small businesses to come in. Uh, it, it apparently this did happen in some ways. And I'm sure what's, but the thing is, Apparently, not as many people capitalized it as they should, like you guys did, because now, now that situation has such changed. Because now we're on this, we're kind of dealing with these growing pains now of uh, society normalizing, and the inflation has skyrocketed. So, and yep. then tech is having all these layoffs. This is going on in Austin right now because Meta yep. had seven floors of a, a new high rise. A high rise isn't even done yet. Meta had yeah, seven yeah. floors of it rented out. And they're on a contract, so now they got to lease it out. So it's just, yeah, it's crazy how like. The opposite of what I or what I wanted to happen, not what I wanted, what should have happened for the better of the economy was this this urban real estate should have opened up for young entrepreneurs to come in, be able to work and move into these cities because our generation yep. is having less kids. So they're able to live in places like cities where you don't need a house and yards and so on and so forth. But uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad you were able to capitalize on it on such a big urban center and a talent center. I was listening to your you know, I was listening to your interview you did with the freight caviar guys. That is a you are in a hotbed for talent in your field of uh, being kind of in that, you know, in that Silicon Valley, uh, we, you know, wheelhouse. So you're, you're in a fire spot for it. And it grew from there. But um, yeah. and yeah, you know, I'm surprised. So there was no any and this is just me, my general curiosity. There were no political ramifications for having guys come to the office or anything like that, because I know that that was like. You know, I know California kind of really kept the, uh, you know, kept the seals tight on yeah. know, businesses being open. So you didn't run any of those issues? Uh, to me, it was worth the risk for to, to, mm -hmm. to build what we got to build. It was worth the risk. You know, no, thankfully, nobody knocked on our doors uh, and, and checked uh, and, 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 and saw that there were a bunch of people working together. Uh, but to me, it was worth the risk. And, and honestly, I think it, it, it helped tremendously, right? Because to, to your exact point, we were one of the few companies in SF – building in person at that time and to me that was actually an incredibly easy way for us to recruit like-minded individuals who were stuck at home but wanted to be on the ground floor building things in person with other people uh, on something that they feel passionate about right so from a recruiting standpoint it's actually you know for us because we kind of made that contrarian decision to be you know kind of like be in this in, in, in that scenario hiring was actually quite easy right because there's a lot of people that are just like no, no, no i've been I've been working out of my parents' basement for two for the last two years. I gotta get the hell out of here. And 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 like I'm happy to come move to SF. I'm sure it'll come back at one point. So I'm so let's 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 make this happen. So for us, we you know and it, it, during those times and even now, it's, you know, it's super. It was just super fun and it is super, and super excited to kind of do that when everybody was kind of going the other way. Yeah, no, I love that. I mean, I have my own opinions on working from home. I think I think hybrid models are are, are decent. It really depends on the industry, um, but for the yeah. most part, I mean, when it comes to what you're doing, and when it comes to um, other jobs, like maybe you know maybe things that within the graphic design fields, especially if you're working on like a marketing team, um, video conference is great. I mean, like I said, all my podcasts have been remote, and I and I feel as though the conversations are always great and engaging. But there yeah. is nothing better than yeah, getting in like getting in with a team, almost like a sports team or a fraternity or something, or, you know, a yep. church organization, uh, like getting together in a room, yeah, you know, laying, you know put, putting the charts on the table 
and like laying it down and brainstorming and like, yeah, like getting that grind. That's where real work is done. And because you did that, you got the most innovative and most like the people who are willing to say, hey, oh, yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. Like you even said, like pre-vaccine, mid-pandemic. No, I'm going to work. I want to I want to help this this company grow. I'm seeing we got to go. We got to go get after it. Right. And and to your point, it's like not everything, not everything fits so neatly in these 30 minute Zoom meetings, 45 minute Zoom meetings. Right. Sometimes it, it has to go over. And you need to get your hand, you got to get on a whiteboard, you got to get on a table and start writing things out. And I think for us, like it was all those late night sessions that really help us focus and, and, and get us to where, where we needed to go. Yeah. So this is April 2021. You guys kick it off. But I'll tell you what, in those two years where you've gone. So the first thing was just getting the load board started. And then what 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 happened next? Yeah. So for us, I, I think, you know, our. Our core. Well, our mission is to empower truck drivers lives one of the ways we want to do that and what our core vision is is how can we bring economic prosperity to our customers by helping them build manage and grow their businesses right so building is help finding those next jobs getting getting access to loads uh managing then or growing it then becomes all well, one of the key things that help that helps drive a business is money and in this space in particular drivers don't get paid right away right not always they don't always get paid right away it takes 30, 45 days to get paid, even if you do get paid. And I think that's what really got us super excited about the, the opportunity to leverage all, a lot of new technology at the time on the banking side to help do instant deposits, instant transfer, whatever it is. And that's what got us to launch the fact, our factoring business, uh, which effectively is you know super flat fee, extremely transparent, access a bank account right away, have the money right away on a card. And that's when we started getting getting into like the financial services side of the industry uh, to just get to help drivers to, to kind of grow their businesses. Which which, yeah, which it, from your side of the things now, I'm not the biggest, you know, I'm not a huge factoring respecter. And, yeah, yeah. And I'll leave that. Out, but I mean, I, I'll never tell anybody how they should or shouldn't conduct business, because what you did with your factoring rates. And this is, I think, proven across the industry. I believe your rates, the lowest you can get in factoring. One of one of. Yeah, it's it's one of the lowest that you can get, uh, and it also I think uh, another thing that differentiates your factoring is that there's no recourse, um, as in if any claims are made against it, you know you guys are, you guys essentially have have uh, you know taken that liability off of carriers, which is is a little bit less common on the factoring sides of things. But in order when it comes to growth, probably probably the best decision you guys could have made from just being a load board there is go is going into the factoring. But then now you're in the fuel space and yeah. now you're in and you're trying to break into the parking space. Yeah. And, and I think the way we kind of think about the factoring side is, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a need in the space, right? People need cash, cash flow runs everything, right? So you gotta, you gotta manage your cash flow as well. And factoring was a very good way for us to, to, to build ways for drivers to access their cash flow. What we want to do with that, with, with the factoring business, is effectively learn all the different things on how drivers can help manage their businesses, right? Whether it's uh, ma expense management, card management, profit and loss, like uh, accounting, uh, taxes, all these different things. That's kind of like the test group, right? It's like, well, like, look, we're, 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 we, we kind of know exactly how much is coming into your account. How can we continue to build products and services such that you want to keep your money in this account? You want to continue using us as your main operating account and you're running your business through us. And then the vision, you know, frankly, it's, well, okay, how do we then build that for folks that don't want to factor, right? Like that's all valuable technology. And it's like when you're kind of 
chasing down brokers like, hey, we got all the right AP contacts. We can actually help manage these invoices for you. We can kind of like help set, we can kind of like check the, you know, check where the, the status of those invoices and then also help manage your money, all these different things. That's kind of where we want, we kind of break out of just, just like on, from a factoring perspective to just m- helping manage businesses for every single uh, customer out there. And, and, and I think, you know, when we launched fuel, that's kind of a big piece of it, right? Because obviously, you know, 40% of the expenses are coming into fuel. A, how can you just build a far better product in this space? But then also B, make it such that you can kind of like combine all this ecosystem together. Yeah. And as a carrier remains in business long enough as they establish relationships with these with brokers and possibly with more customers, eventually they'll be, you know, you you would hope, especially with help like that you're offering on the financial side of things, eventually yes. that can wean them off factoring. You know, I just had a exactly. gentleman on, I just had a gentleman on who well, for a while there, he he wasn't factoring, and then he ended up having to because uh, you know the economy took a downturn at a certain point. So it's just like I said, you know, I I'm affiliated with with Truck Coin Swap. We hope to. Yep, yep. You know, I I know it may be competition in, in the space one day. You know, one day and one day soon. Um, you know, they're you know I I believe you know I I kind of have a faith in that in that technology, but that's a whole different you know that's a whole different conversation. We're talking talking about what you guys got going on there today. Now, um, so, I mean, everything's going smoothly, but I, like I said, I listened to to your other interview. There's a lot of, and I want to get your opinion on this because there's a lot of, sure. you know, crime and fraud going on yep. with, with double brokering. And I, and I'm sure you had assumed this was going to come up. Uh, I'm curious what that looks like on your end um, when it comes to, because like, you know, especially when it comes to loads, uh, you know, and I think the DAT is the biggest offender of of not doing. I think the ball is really in their court uh, on this end because the DAT is where a lot of this is, is definitely getting yep. is happening because it's just DAT has the money and resources to go after this. And they could probably stop it tomorrow. And they're not. Yep. And I'm just mm-hmm. so I'm just curious on your take and yeah, what's going on in your front with 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 this, because it's got to be happening. Well, I think for us, it's like load boards have a responsibility to to flag these things right and I, I think for us the way we've done it has always been vetting both the carriers that are booking loads through our platform and then also vetting but then not stopping there and also vetting the brokers that are posting loads right and, and i think that's a key thing which is for us we only you know the way we get our revenue specifically from carriers we don't make any money on the broker side right so so to us we can kind of be much more judicious about the quality that our core customer segment uh, should be getting. And that is to have access to loads that aren't fraudulent, right? And, and, and there's always gonna be these edge cases, edge cases but I, I think we have, and because the drivers are at the center of what we do, that's kind of been how we approach the load board, which is, okay, well, we, we can't just let anybody sign up and post loads. That's, we just, we can't do that, right? We need to vet every single person. We gotta make sure that it is, they're at a certain size, at a certain credit score, whatever it is that we've actually done our diligence before they can actually post loads onto our platform. And then even, and, and what we're actually building today is like, we want to make it easy for folks to actually get those signals. If there might be a chance that this could be double brokered, right? Like if somebody posted a load and then an hour later, that same load, exact pickup, drop off, whatever it is, slightly less or whatever, you know, slightly higher, there should be some sort of flag, right? And we're not going to say, oh, this is a double broker, but it's like for you, we want to just make sure that folks know that like, hey, there is a load that also was posted at a potentially at, at, at a higher, at a, at a, at a lower rate somewhere else, right? And, 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 and I think that's, and I think sharing, making that information as transparent as possible 
is what's going to help us continue to get the trust of our customers, our only customer, uh, to continue working with us. And I think, so that's how we've always been approaching it. It's like, look, like our core customer, our only customer are, 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 the, are the drivers that trust us with their business. We got to make sure we do right by them. And, and that's kind of how we, we do our part there. No, that's awesome. You're, you're essentially doing what's crazy is that with what you just said, you're doing what the FMCSA is actually supposed supposed to be doing. Like they, yeah. they, these, um, like they've, they've, they've willingly admitted um, that, that they know that they're supposed to be in charge of the oversight of the broker side of things. And now the FMCSA, mind you, has only been around since 2000, you know, mm-hmm. 20, you know, past 20, 20, you know, less than 25 years. So it's not like they're a necessary organization, but regardless, they've put, they put that on the FMCSA and they've just admitted, they're like, yeah, we haven't done anything and we don't do yep. anything. But now it's like legitimately we have a, you know, barely a two year old um, load board technology company who's doing more to vet fraud uh, going on in our supply chain, which is a cost that, you know, for anybody out there listening, people don't realize this crime and fraud going on from a lot of these, you know, Eastern European crime syndicates and, uh, Chicago carriers is a cost that rolls on the consumers. And, and people just, I, I like if people knew if like, if only this conversation was mainstreamed, the American consumer would be fucking would be battering <laughs> down the doors of these. If they like people have no idea, there's so many parts of our supply chain that are actually legitimately compromised. And it's just, you know, yeah. people just, you know, it's the invisible hand. As long as the shelves aren't empty, it really doesn't matter. But no, that's, that's good. The prices I, I, are going up. Right. And yeah. the prices, but it's like as prices go up, it's like, well, let's unbundle that. Right. Like how what percent of those costs are transportation? Well, OK, what percent mm-hmm. of the transportation costs are due to fraud? Right. And it, it starts to, and it starts to add up. And I, I, I totally, uh, you know, like I, I agree with your point of every it, look, freight is one of the most important levers of innovation in our economy. It is everywhere. It is the running water that if it goes poorly, everybody talks about. If it doesn't, nobody talks about. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think it's like it, it's it, it's these areas where it's like if people just really understood just how impactful it is to everything out there, uh, people would be up in arms uh, with some of the issues that, that we're seeing today. Yeah. The the impact is more important. You know, we kind I talked with Grace Sharkey on this, you know, from mm-hmm. Sirius XM. And that's the thing. There's so many impactful things going on in the freight market that if people paid attention to it, they'd. Or if yeah, if people stopped caring for five minutes about you know Bud Light and uh, Target, you know, and they just looked at what was going on in their supply chain, they'd be like, oh my god, so this is what they're not talking about. Yeah, but yeah, that's a whole different conversation. Now, we, before we hopped on, you know, hopped on the call, you had mentioned you've been going out to Chicago lately. I want to, you know, yeah. I, Truck Smarter's got to have you guys must have a sort of a five year plan or something. You you you're diving into Chicago. You know, you, you said you got a small team out there. What's the future looking like for you guys? What are you doing out there in the Midwest? And yeah, what, yeah. what's yeah, what's what's it looking like for for the years to come? Yeah, I mean, I think for us, Chicago is a natural extension uh, uh, of our team, right? Like you know, Uber Freight it's headquartered there. A lot of great logistics companies are headquartered there, uh, and that's where we want to you know continue to invest in and build build out a, 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 a an amazing culture there as well. And there's just a lot of knowledge, right? Like you, I, I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of tech companies sometimes will kind of come in with this arrogance thinking that they know everything about a certain space that's been around for centuries and they're just going to go fix it. No, you got to tap in the knowledge that's been in the, that's been in this space. Right. And I think that's kind of how we've approached this. And uh, I, I think for us, it's for the next five years, it's how can we continue to pursue that vision of helping drivers, 
build, manage, and grow their businesses, right? Uh, and I think for us, it's on the, the growing side, on the managing side, you know, we've launched this fuel business, we've launched this factoring business, we have this load board business. How can we just continue to find ways to just continue to uh, give drivers more access to capital so that they can just continue to scale their business to whatever it is? Like, you know, we kind of talked about this on the factoring side, which is on the factory side, one of the things that I would love for us is almost have a way for folks that if, if, if they want to almost graduate off of it, right? It's like at a certain point, you don't really need the cash flow. And, but we want to still have the, a suite of business tools for you to use uh, to just manage your business once you get in a good state on the cash flow side. And I think for us, it's like that, that I think that's where, you know, we kind of differ from a lot of the existing factory companies that for a lot of existing factory companies that the, the revenue is coming from that core service. So they kind of want to keep you there. Whereas for us, it's like we want to build a whole suite of services such that if you need it, you can get this cash flow. But if you're good, if you're in a good spot, well, we still want to build tools for you to just keep your money in this ecosystem and help and, 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 and kind of help keep growing your business. So that's the vision that we're pursuing is how can we just continue to help drive that forward, help drivers build, manage and grow their businesses and think of, and, and just continue to launch services to help you guys do that. Yeah, no, I, th I think that's I think that's awesome. Uh, I I was going to mention, I, I really think a, a thing that you guys can break in on, and I think we've mentioned it on a, on some of those you know weekly calls we, we hop on on Fridays uh, yeah. on, on Discord, um, doing something because like, you know, like we've mentioned on the show, there's a disconnect between relationships with brokers and carriers. And yeah, I think kind of. I don't know. I really think, and this is like, this is me thinking out loud. I think there is a social media breakaway that you guys can capitalize on. We're, I mean, we're trying to bring it to Twitter. You know, we're building up the yeah. lost freight, freight, freight discord that we talk yep, about yep. a lot. You know, we're trying to make logistics sexy. Like I talked about, you know, we talked about this with Blythe, you know, about how that's why logistics isn't talked about in the, in the media because it's not like, it's not hot and cool, like finance yeah, yeah. and like all these other yeah. fields. So, I mean, I, I really think that there's, there could be a, you've got the team, you've got the talent, you're in the right space, you know, being, being in the Bay area of, you know, say, I mean, what, what do you think? I mean, this is just me thinking out loud. I think if there was a, not, maybe not so much if you had your own Twitter, but yeah, if it was like <laughs> a, almost like, and it's funny only because, you know, Reed has said this, and I'm sure you've heard us say this, that, yep. that people describe load boards as the Tinder of freight. And, yeah, you know, that's, yeah. <laughs> and which and to to an extent it does make sense but not if you're using load boards a smart way as in you had a yeah. good experience keep in touch with this broker you know yeah, that's, exactly that's, that's it, just it, what... it, it, and it kind of might be right it's like the, the goal isn't to keep you on load boards it's to help you build that relationship so that you can get that committed capacity so you can get those contracts and kind of have that steadiness in your business right so i i'm, I'm with you there yeah. So I, I just know that they, there's definitely something in, in Truck Smarter's future to that extent. But I mean, I, I can't be, you know, I can't be more excited for what you guys have already done. Uh, you're you're one of the big out th that. And just from my perspective, as somebody who was primarily running off the spot market in 2022, you know, the access, usability and just how easy it was. And not only just the, the usability of the app, the fact that I was able to have direct contact with yep staff members who worked for you guys made it, you know, I could have, I could only imagine what it was like, um, you know, pre smartphones, like, like you just said at the, the top of the show, this is full circle about guys, about people wanting to start their own businesses. 
yep. about people like even I wonder how my dad did it. You know, he he owns a yep. small manufacturing company in Connecticut. I, I don't know. Like there was no legal Zoom to become an LLC yeah. or what have you in 99. <laughs> you know, you yep. still had to do like these little like administrative things. So like if I wanted to work off the spot market in 2009, you know, what did what did that look, you know, what did that look like between, you know, with finding finding freight and stuff like that. And so being able to use your app and then not only use it, but then have weekly conversations with the developers of this. Yeah. So not just not just a one eight hundred customer service fucking yeah. number of you know somebody who works for Truck Smarter who didn't make the thing. They're just somebody you hired as customer service. You know who works at yeah. a call center in San Francisco. Like no, I'm actually speaking to you. I'm speaking to Paolo. I'm speaking to yeah. you know yeah. uh, Christine. Like your your yeah. your staff. You know that is definitely what kept me going th- throughout 2022, and I'm 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 excited to see what you guys got going on in the future. I mean, like like we said, right? Like we we put you, the customer, at the center, and we built the business around that. And, and, and I think for for me, it's like not having that connection. I don't know how businesses build without having that connection, right? Just like having that valuable insight day to day and we made a lot and I, I think it's like every single week we would hear something new and if it was something that we could easily do we would just go and do it we would just we'd say hey by the way we just made this update and i think closing that loop between the customer and, and the folks and the folks building is probably one of the most important things uh that we've done for our business to get to where we are today so i'm glad, glad to hear that you're excited to be a part of it as well yeah, man, I, I really, you know, I may not be, you know, I, I'm trying to learn as much more about, you know, dealing with computers and making content, and like learning more about that. But I still feel as though, you know, I'm involved on the ground floor, kind of like how you were at DoorDash. Like, I feel yep. as though I, you know, I look, I'm hoping to look back on 20 years, you know, and have my business and be like, you know, hey, like these, oh, you know, these guys over there, that this is, you know, the Lombard story started because, you know, started the yeah. same time as the, the truck smarter story. And I'm, looking forward to being able to, you know, write that in my biography. I'm kind of manifesting that one day. And uh, hey, I, I know we're running on time, but I did want to ask you, you know, the, the market's tough right now for yep. a lot of guys. I'm, I'm sure you're aware, um, you know, people, I, I'm not sure how much you monitor Facebook groups. Sometimes they get a little toxic. Um, like you mentioned, I mean, you're, you're going out into Chicago. You, you mentioned something that I think the logistics industry suffers a lot from, which is uh, a little bit of ego. You know, when it comes to transportation, um, people just think, yeah, th- there is this idea that because it's been this long standing, oh, it's always like it's that it's always been that way logic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's always been that way. Or you haven't, ha- you don't like, I've been doing this for 10 years. You, you don't know. And that, that yeah. idea when it comes to, um, you, you know, so that, that energy is, is really prevalent when it comes to drivers. They're like, oh, well, you think it's bad now? It was bad this time. And there's always this survivorship yeah. bias. Now, now, yeah. you know, mar- markets are bad. What, what do you, you know, what are you seeing on your end rates wise? You, you, you guys deal with brokers a lot. Um, you know, you have any, ch- I'm just asking you, you know, just basic market insight here. You know, what's, how, how's it looking it's on a, that end? It's absolutely terrible. Right. I mean, you're, 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 you're seeing it as well, right? It's, you know, rates are lower than they were at COVID uh, or, 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 or the rejection levels were kind of right at, at lowest that it's ever been even since even, even lower than COVID. Right. So, there's a lot of supply in the market and there's a, there's very little demand relative to that supply and the rates are just nowhere nowhere near where they need to be to run uh, to, 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 to really run a super profitable trucking organization and I think what we're seeing today is a lot of folks that are in the space still are, are just surviving right and and it's like 
knowing their costs. Either they've been in this space for some time and they've been able to reduce a lot of their fixed costs such that it's no longer uh, uh, present anymore. And, and as a result, they can kind of just continue to keep things moving. I think the other side is finding those contracts. And I think that's kind of what we wanted to, to do is make it super easy for folks to kind of build those relationships and lock those in so that during these tough times, uh, they're able to kind of continue to get steady income, continue to manage their expenses, continue to kind of keep their business moving. And I, I, I think that's that's what we're seeing, right? I, I think there's like, you know, we, we've had a lot of false starts on, oh, you know, we got beverage season coming up. We got produce season coming up. We got all these seasons coming up. And look, the economy is not in a great spot right now, right? Like demand, like there's no, there's no more free money. Interest rates are super high. People are spending less. People are buying, yeah, uh, people are buying less. That's going to have a trickle down effect. Uh, and it's going to take some time for us to kind of get out of that. So I think for us, you know, the message that we've always given out is you, like, you got to know your costs. You got you got to be super judicious about what you're spending on and, and, and how you're and, and kind of like having a very cute eye on all these different things. And I think for us, like, what we hope to do is help build those products that help you get there, right? Like save as much as you can on fuel, help organize your expenses, all these different things. Uh, that's the part that we can play, right? And make it super easy for you to find those available loads so that you don't have to keep searching because every, every hour spent is lost money, right? So how do you just find access to those jobs faster, make those decisions, whether you need to book it or not faster, and then kind of manage the rest of your expenses after that. But yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, no idea when this, uh, I, I think there's a lot of people that will tell you, hey, Q3, be after July 4th, you know, at, towards the end of the year, things, nobody really knows. And it's gonna, and there's a lot of powers that are outside of the hands of uh, the freight industry. It's, you know, it's a lot of it's kind of, it's, it's, it's coming from the, the government and whatnot. That, that's going to have to figure out how to write this ship as we continue to navigate through it. Yeah, I think there's a lot of outside factors g- going on. I mean, there it's it's a perfect storm going on. I have a yep. you know a, a friend of mine. Uh, he he works at a Unilever plant. You know you know you know Unilever is yep. a huge you know huge manufacturer of stuff. They pump out a lot of soap, and he even says, I mean, they're they're not making a lot because they don't have the products to make what they have. And the reason why they don't is because you know the demand's not there. And they, but overall. Yeah, I think there's just a perfect storm of stuff, you know, going on, you know, that that's really hit the market tough. But I mean, it will turn around. Who knows if it's a matter of when? Yeah, yeah it, this is what's crazy is when it comes to the freight market. And I, you know, I, I want to leave it on this because it, it tells to who you guys are as a company. There's a lot of tech companies that rise and fall in logistics because they all want to come in and swoop in like eagles. And because they hear, mm-hmm. yeah, because once they see logistics as this billion dollar industry, they say, oh my God, or it's a trillion dollar or whatever it is. They're like, yeah. And then they're like, you know, they hear a supply chain crisis. We have, we have problems. They come in and then, and then it's like, and then it just stands over them. Almost like that, almost like that meme of like the little knight who's standing with his sword and then the huge giant <laughs> monsters. Standing over yeah, them. Like, yeah, yeah. Once, once you, yeah. Once you really start to get, get underneath the surface of logistics, some of these tech companies just like up and bail and like they'll, they'll run, they'll run away. And you're starting to see some of them now. I, you know, uh, I, I think, you're starting to see a little bit of um, recession from convoy. They've kind of taken a step back because they, they used to have a fuel card thing and now they're splitting up with TCS on their fuel card. So mm. I'm not sure, you know, you, you kind of seeing what some of these organizations do. And in that time, you guys over there, you guys at truck smarter have been stepping up uh, and it's been fun to, it's been fun to watch you grow. Um, look, I, I want to have you on again here soon so we can, you know, cause we'll, we'll recap kind of what's going on. So, um, but man, but before, before I let you go, where, where can the people find you? You know, what's, what's your pitch to truck smarter? If, if a, if a carrier is listening right now, how do they, how do they get you and where can they find you guys? 
Look, I, I think if you're a carrier out there and you want to find better tools to just continue to run your business in the right in, in, in the best way possible, check us. We're completely free, right? Like it, we're completely free. Load board, download it, get it, get excited, check it out. We have you know we have a, a fuel program that helps you get discounts of up to you know dollar dollar fifty sometimes at certain stations. If you know if you don't need factoring, that's totally fine. I think for us, we just want to build a whole suite of tools to help you just grow and manage uh, and build your businesses. So I think the easiest way to get to reach out to me, I mean, Dan at trucksmarter.com. I think, you know, never shy away from talking directly to, to the folks that are interested. So uh, always happy to, always happy to, 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 to find type of chat and uh, appreciate you bringing me on the show. Yeah, man, ab- absolutely. You guys are, you know, DAT overpowers, I think the market, that's what people think of. I remember when I first got my truck, I got on a Facebook and people talked about load boards and it was just, oh, all you need is DAT and truck stop, DAT and truck stop. That's all everybody yeah. talked about. And then, you know, so, and then, so, and then a friend of mine, a friend, friend of the show, a gentleman I served with, uh, you know, Joshua Jenkins, great YouTube channel, the travel trucker. He told me that, that just trucking our, you know, our friend, Justin, yeah. he, he yeah. was using you guys. He was talking to you guys and I downloaded it and it's been, and it's been great ever since. Uh, before I let you go, before I let you go though, uh, I, I tried to ask some people if they had any questions for you. Cause I said, Hey, I'm hopping on with Dan. Uh, does anybody yeah. have questions? And Reed actually wants to know when are you going to join the lost freight discord? I, I got it. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm going to, I mean, Hey, I, 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 I follow Reed on Twitter and I think the, when the moment is right and I, you know, I'm, I'm free to, ch- I'm more than happy to, I, I, I get some FOMO seeing you guys in there. So <laughs> I'll jump in for sure. <laughs> All right, then I yeah, then I'll send you the invite link. But um, yeah, man, unless unless you got any parting words, no. I mean, look, I, I'm a. I I think you're talking about 20 years from now, writing your story and and, and you know having Truck Smarter be a part of that. I think we're going to do the same with Lombard Trucking, right? And I think you're a key part of our story too. And appreciate all all, all the help and support that uh, you've had for us. So excited to continue building together. Yeah, absolutely, man. Amen. Thank you again for coming on. And thank you all guys for listening. You know where to find me everywhere, running around, uh, doing all the crazy stuff at Lombard Trucking. And with that, guys, I'll see you on the next one. Take care.